This is More in the Morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto. 6.52 is the time. All right, so that was a little bit of Beethoven to uh, put us in the mood for a new story about Beethoven as brought to us by our science expert, Dan Riskin. Good morning. Good morning. You know, I just last night happened to go, I haven't been to the symphony in a long time uh, since before the pandemic, but I went last night and they played Beethoven's fifth. So this is no really apropos. Yeah, they really, they did. And I'll tell you, when you hear it live with a real symphony, they really know what they're doing. They put on a good show. It was really exciting. It was fun. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to clip that. <laughs> they really know what they're doing. You really do. They can play those instruments really well. I don't know. You get goosebumps when you hear it. I mean, it's just, it's such, I mean, you you played it off the top. It's such a thing that we all know. And Beethoven is this character that we thought we knew so much about, and yet we're still learning things. And there's this new study that just came out in Current Biology. There's a big splash in the New York Times about it. And they're just a whole bunch of really good, juicy secrets that DNA is revealing about the secret life of Beethoven. And it's just, it's so cool. Okay, so what are we learning? So here's the thing. When Beethoven was dying, uh, people clipped some of his hair uh, so they could have memorials of him, lockets of, of his his hair. And uh, there are uh, eight of these around the world in different places. And so uh, in the past, there was this one locket that was uh, supposed to be his that uh, was auctioned off for $7,300. And there was a big analysis of it that was the source of a book in 2000 and a documentary in 2005. And what they found is uh, high levels of lead in that hair. Um, and, and that suggested that part of the reason he had so much illness in his life and perhaps part of why he went deaf uh, could be because of lead poisoning. And so this was the the running hypothesis until now uh, for what was going on with him. But this new analysis looked at these eight different locks of hair. First of all, the one that all that analysis was done on, it comes from a woman, a Jewish woman. So it is not his hair. It, it Somehow his hair got swapped out for somebody else's. And so there's a whole story there. But the whole lead thing is a total red herring. Uh, the other seven, uh, they looked at those, five of them match each other, two of them don't match. So throw out those two and let's assume those five that are all independent and supposed to be Beethoven's hair actually are his hair. So what does his DNA tell us? Well, his DNA tells us that for one thing, he has a, a genetic variant that makes him predisposed for liver disease, which could explain his poor health. But also his hair had traces of the DNA of hepatitis B. So it's possible he had hepatitis and that is part of why he was so unhealthy. But the real juicy, amazing piece of it is that when they look at the Y chromosome of the of Beethoven's DNA, it doesn't match the rest of his family. It looks like there was a uh, a, a, a father out of wedlock, not his parents, but the generation before that. And so uh, his grandfather was uh, was not his 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 his, uh, his genetic grandfather wasn't the person that was his, the grandfather in his family, and that is very important to a whole bunch of people who live in Belgium who have the last name von Beethoven who have been bragging for centuries about how they're genetically related to Beethoven. It turns out they're not. And so you can imagine that was just a real, if your last name was von Beethoven and your whole life, everyone who ever met you said, are you related? And you'd said, yes, now you have to change your answer. So anyway, really, really interesting study, lots of repercussions, and it really just shines a new light on Beethoven. And it's just amazing how DNA can do something like that. Yeah, and that's the jeopardy, I have to say, of doing stuff like 23andMe. You may find out things you do not want to know. 
It's totally true. It's it's very scary. And and you don't think you think, well, it won't happen to me, you know, but you can find out things about your history. But you can also find out things about your future because you can find out that you have gene- genetic predispositions to things. So, for example, I did my genetic makeup once and I have found that I have something I think it's at a 92 percent chance of macular degeneration. So I'll probably if I live long enough, I'll I'll die a blind man. That's what, what my DNA tells me. And in some ways, that's a curse because oh, I, d- I didn't want to hear that. But in other ways, now I know about it. So I go to the eye doctor very regularly. I monitor it and stuff like that. Um, and maybe the technologies will improve in the next few decades so that I don't actually go blind. But nonetheless, uh, the, that's powerful stuff, this DNA. Okay, so how do we end up finding out that RNA compound and vitamin B3 are in a near-Earth asteroid? There are a couple of missions to asteroids. So we get asteroids are, are handily delivered by the sky as shooting stars all the time. But by the time we get to them, they've been exposed to the Earth. And so there's a lot of questions about what's really on the asteroids before they come down to Earth. And so there are two different missions, one from Japan and one that Canadian that the Canadian Space Agency is involved with to go to asteroids, take a sample, bring it back in a sealed capsule and have a look. And so one of these, the Japanese one, uh, brought back a sample in 2020 and this latest paper shows that on that uh, space rock out in space, not contaminated by Earth, you can find vitamin B3 and you can find the building blocks of DNA and the building blocks of RNA, which is pretty exciting stuff because the fact that those things are just floating around in space suggests that the building blocks of life have been out here just waiting for life to use them so to speak. They didn't have to be invented on Earth. Um, But the other mission to an asteroid, uh, which uh, the Canadian Space Agency is involved with, I think people should have it on their radar, uh, is is that uh, it launched in 2016. It touched the asteroid back in 2020, but it's going to come back this year. In September of 2023, uh, that space uh, mission is going to bring back its capsule. It's going to land in Utah, just west of Great Salt Lake. So this September. And uh, inside that capsule are a bunch of rocks that were taken from an asteroid called Bennu and a bunch of those rocks are destined for the Royal Ontario Museum because that's the agreement that's in place. So we'll get to see those here in Toronto, which uh, forever. I think that's really exciting. Thank you, sir. Good to have you this morning. Yeah, thank you. That is Dan Riskin, our science expert on Test Tube Thursday.